Hi, I'm Cameron. I don't just read comics. I love them. Welcome back to another episode of Cameron Reads Comics. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Batgirl Returns Omnibus by Gail Simone and many, many others. As we get into this, I think there's a couple things I need to say. This volume, this omnibus collects Batgirl issues number 1 through 34, plus all of the tie-ins. Um, when it comes to an accessibility perspective, I, I think... This book references, you know, The New 52, uh, Batman by Scott Snyder, uh, Court of Owls, Death of the Family. Those events tie into this. Uh, it leans in heavily, heavily, heavily on Barbara's previous experience as Oracle, um, meaning that it refers back to Alan Moore's Batman, The Killing Joke, for uh, a long, long time. Uh, it spends a lot of time dealing with trauma in, in, in that, and I think very rightfully so. It also, it, it, it helps if you have read Batman The Black Mirror, which is a Scott Snyder story pre-Batman New 52, but also one of the best Batman stories I've ever read, so go check that out. Uh, it refers back to her brother and his story, uh, James Gordon Jr. Barbara Gordon Batgirl has never had her own ongoing series until the story, so for the most part, it's an origin. This is obviously not the first Batgirl ongoing comic book series, but it is definitely the first Batgirl Barbara Gordon ongoing series. You know, you can make the argument, yeah, Birds of Prey was a Batgirl series or a Barbara Gordon series, but it's a team book, so it's a little bit different. This is her being Batgirl the way she should be. Now, before I want to get into, like, all, everything that happened in the story, I think it's really important to talk about Gail Simone, the writer. Um, there are not currently many female writers in the comic book industry and a lot of men have written Batgirl titles uh, and I just think that it is really important representation wise for a, a female to write a female character I'm not saying that should be the way it always is but I'm saying that there should at least be you know some sort of representation there and um, Gail Simone is one of the most powerful powerhouse women in the industry uh I haven't even read that many female comic book writers. I can I, I listed a few. G. Willow Wilson on Ms. Marvel I've read. Kelly Shuda Connick's Captain Marvel uh, run. Then Mariko Tamaki is another. Th those are really the only three off the top of my head I've read before this. You know, I haven't really read any Louis Simonson. I haven't read any, um, you know, that many other women. And that's why I'm even drawing a blank right now. There's just not that much coverage. So... Uh, I know that Gail was a titan in the industry, and I was really excited to dive into this book uh, be because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. You know, for this series, I've heard a lot of hype, but then for Gail on her own, I've also heard a lot of hype. And I think that she, I just want to—I want to know. And also, her Wonder Woman omnibus, Wonder Woman by Gail Simone omnibus, sold out so quickly. Like I didn't even have a chance to get my hands on the book, and that's another one that I really love to pick up and read and figure it out. So, um. After reading a couple of the points, I'd say is number one, Gail Simone did for Batgirl what Brian Michael Bendis did for Spider-Man in his Ultimate Spider-Man series. Um, she made Barbara the focal point of empathy in the entire Bat family, uh, which really is what she is. And that's what this book kind of taught me about Barbara. I'm like, I don't know obviously being a male, but even with my exposure to this character, I don't know what separates Barbara. Like what really makes her stand out in front of the rest of the Bat family? Like I know when I'm reading something that feels correct about her, you know what I mean? When 
when she responds, you know, when you see a character respond one way to a situation, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exa- exactly what Barbara would do. I couldn't necessarily write that or like pinpoint the words, but I think that's what Gail Simone did in this book that really kind of changed my perspective on Barbara. And it really was just such a pitch perfect example of who she is. Similar to Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man, the internal dialogue of Barbara as the story go on, goes on is so freaking amazing. Um, it's so pitch perfect. And it, and like, I think I didn't realize it's so specifically feminine. Like she has uh, one of her first scenes with Dick Grace and Nightwing in this and the way that, you know, her head's going on about Nightwing being Nightwing. I just, or how she feels about him. I loved, I I thought it was so good. And I was like, Oh man, I could have, I could have never, or I've never seen anything like that before, you know? So, uh, I loved it. I loved it. So the, for the villains in the story, it's the new 52 and DC was like, you know, pitching a lot of brand new villains. And so for even Barbara herself, like she doesn't quite have a rogues gallery. She is for all intents and purposes, a like sidekick to Batman. And I just mean that as a supporting character to his larger narrative. So when she is her own, you know, main character, it's, she doesn't have quite a a well of people that she's working for. So for the villains, I have one guy, the first six issue arc is a guy named mirror. Don't have much to say about him. It was a really good arc. I think for me, the way I was reading that was more setting the tone of the entire series than like, you know, how how effective is this villain? Um, number two, and I think the biggest villain that we see overarching the entire series is a villain named Nightfall, who is kind of like a upside down Batgirl Bruce Wayne kind of thing where it's like, she is seeking justice for Gotham with her means and is just murderizing it's 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 awesome but it's crazy it's just very 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 good very interesting next up i'd say silver is the next one he's a vampire yeah (laughs) um not much to say about the villains and this is the thing is i don't think i it's not that the villains were written poorly or anything it's just like you know the the biggest impression made on me in this book was that girl herself and i was just so compelled about what barbara was up to and what she was doing and how her life was going uh, as I read on. So I don't want to overlook anything, but I just want to be completely honest and be like, I was really into Batgirl. I was not into her villains as much. The next one is Joker. Joker uh, isn't a, is, you know, part of the other events happening in this series. You know, he he's, but during her tie-in issues and during her one-on-one scenes of the Joker, she's kind of reliving her trauma of him, Joker, who, you know, shot her in the spine and, and, uh, made her Oracle. He bound her to a wheelchair in the new 52 continuity. They just say she was in a wheelchair for a little while, you know, but before the new 52, she was, she had lost use of her legs permanently. So them making that choice in this to, to go forward, you know, to move for that character forward. I think it was so, uh, it was really interesting and I really, really, really liked it. Um, the next villain who I thought was the most intriguing over all the villains, and I'm, I'm so glad this character was used, was James Gordon Jr. Uh, if you have ever read Batman Year One, which isn't you know context to this story, but I guess it's context to Black Mirror, um, Batman rescues Jim's son, which is James Gordon Jr. He didn't have a daughter yet. His wife's name was Barbara at the time. Uh, 
and in the comics, you know, he was never really mentioned ever again. And it was, he's just kind of shrugged off, but you find out that his son was evil and James and, and he becomes one of the overarching villains in this series too. And that whole dynamic and how that familial stuff plays out for Barbara is really interesting. Another villain is the ventriloquist and it's not like Scarface in the ventriloquist. It's its own unique brand new villain. And then the last one is Ragdoll, which is as terrifying as you think. Uh, and I think we've seen that villain before in a couple other mediums. I know he was in uh, the Batman, the animated series, like the, the 2004, 2005 one. Now going into the story, this book isn't only about Barbara Gordon or like the Bat family. It's about the supporting characters in Barbara's life. So I really liked it too, because there were some characters we don't get to see enough of. And like, I real I'm realizing as I get more and more into Batman, I think Batman is not the Batman. The character is not the thing that keeps me reading Batman anymore. I just really love his supporting cast. And that's why a book like this was just a revelation to me. And also it's not just because it was a Batgirl book. It was because it was a Batgirl book. That was so freaking good. The older characters, you know, we, we got Barbara's mom who it's like, her mom comes back in this series. And it's like, where were you? Like, where have you been? What's this relationship like? And it's that awkward interpersonal dynamic going on. James Gordon Jr. is, uh, (laughs) brought back and I'm like he's canon now in the comics which is so cool I'm like how does that affect Barbara like what what's this familial dynamic we don't know anything about there's uh and then finally one of my favorite characters in all of comic books Commissioner Gordon um if you know me you know I love Commissioner Gordon <laughs> so what went on in this really helped me understand what's going on in the bat books at the time um I think Commissioner Gordon himself and him and Barbara's relationship is something that's so like overlooked in comics and like, does he know her secret identity? Does he care? Even if he does know, like how, how does her being this affect that? How does she live with herself? Keeping secrets from her dad. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff is so compelling and just how Barbara was able to like navigate that. Uh, it made for some really good drama and like a unique perspective in a bat book that we really don't quite see because you know, we're looking at now two peripheral characters that are in the trenches in Batman's war on crime. And, you know, neither of them or one of them doesn't know that the other one is as deep as they are in it, which I loved. And then, then there's some new characters. I guess most notably I wrote down Alicia Yu, who is uh, Batgirl's roommate, who I think becomes a part of the Batgirl of Burnside series. I read that first volume of the Batgirl Burnside years and years and years ago. So I couldn't even tell you what happens there, but I really liked that character. I really liked uh, her in this. I think she's one of the first trans characters in DC comics, which I thought was like just fine. It wasn't really, it didn't need to be. It wasn't really an arc in the story. It was just kind of like a matter of fact kind of thing. And I thought it was cool. I was like, okay, cool. And, and I thought Alicia had a great personality. And I think there's a whole arc where she is dating James and Barbara doesn't know about it. And that's so crazy and wild. So it was awesome. It was a really, really good uh, series. For the art in the book, I think there's been a lot of Batgirl costumes, like changes as of late, I'd say within the last like 10 years. I will put my feet in the sand or put, stand on the hill. I will die on this hill. This is my favorite Batgirl costume. Um, the one on the cover is actually pretty interesting because uh, the purple underside of the cape is not quite something that really happens in the rest of the series. It is really kind of just in the first couple issues. And then it just becomes black and yellow. To each their own on that, you know, the the black, yellow, purple, black, yellow, blue dynamic of her cape and her whole outfit 
is my favorite Batgirl costume. I think it looks so cool. I think it's so functional. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where you know, lately they've been putting a lot of women in the male uh, costumes in the comic books. You know, you had uh, Laura as Wolverine or X-23 as Wolverine. You had uh, Lady Thor, which obviously is a little different costume. Uh, you have Batgirl. You even have not. This is an older one, but I've been. I saw it today. Uh, Spider Spider Girl Mayday Parker, and they all look so freaking good in uh, the male costumes. Which I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And so I think this is not. It's obviously not Batman's costume. It's her own costume. But I think her costume it looks so freaking good. Uh, I I love this one. I think it's all that function. I think it's super cool. I know they redid it after this with the Batgirl of Burnside costume which is fine, and I think that works as an early Batgirl costume, but I hope that in the movie it translates into this. Uh, now for the art, here are the artists. Uh, Adrian Sayoff, Ed Bennis, Daniel Sampier, and Fernan Fernando Passerin. I'd say they all do a really great job. Uh, I can tell them apart, which is a little bit better. I can't tell Daniel and Fernando apart, but... I think all of them did just a wonderful job in this series. I think the way that they showed Barbara moving, it's so weird because obviously each panel is kind of an, an individual picture and what happens in between the panels is what comic books are. But I thought that, you know, from the jump, this series was really solid on their art choices. I thought that the way they made the costumes look were really cool. I thought that the way that, you know, they personalized uh, Barbara and what was going on in the rest of the world was awesome. And it worked really, really, really well. So huge fan of what, you know, the artists did in this book. I think it's really awesome. I really liked Ed Bennis too. I feel like I don't get a lot of, I don't get to see as much of his artwork as I'd like, or at least I'm not reading the titles that he's on as much as I should be apparently. So Loved his art, thought it was really great, loved all their art. I think Adrian Sayoff in the first arc was my absolute favorite. There's a big splash page at the beginning of the story of Batgirl just declaring that she's Batgirl, and it is so, it's like a beautiful splash page. And I remember reading on the jump from the first issue, I was like, oh, this is absolutely amazing. Um, I was like, I knew I'm going to like this series, and I knew, I, I knew that I felt that way at the very first issue, which is, just shows uh, that... Guess some on rules, and I waited way too long to read anything she did. And then on top of that, I think it shows that, you know, the artist rule too, because it takes two. Now, time for my rating. I am going to give this book a solid 9.5 out of 10. Uh, I don't think it dragged at all. I don't think it did anything wrong. I just think that sometimes the outer events affected some of this in ways they didn't need to, but that's not the fault of this book. It's just, that was a solid 9.5 out of 10. I think it's, for Batgirl and Bat Family fans, I think it's necessary reading. I'm kicking myself because I didn't start reading this sooner, so I hope you guys feel the same way, and I hope you pick it up sooner than I did, okay? Uh, make sure to clap for those like and subscribe buttons. Tell me what your favorite Batgirl arc is. Um, read this if you want to go see the Batgirl movie, and also go read uh, Batman or Batgirl Year One by Chuck Dixon. I think the, this and that make for the perfect Batgirl stories. It is exactly what the character is, and it is awesome. So, my name's Cameron. I don't just read comics. I love them. I'll see you guys next time.